time for the end of conversation podcast with funny man Damian Lemon and the voice of your choice, Ali Muhammad. Yeah, this is Damian Lemon. This is Ali Muhammad. And this is In the Conversation, the podcast. Ah, back again. Officially, 2020 is in the rear view. We are here, 2021. Which makes me beg the question, four days in, was 2020 all that bad? (laughs) I mean, depending on who you ask. If you ask the timeline, the timeline... I feel this is the worst year of them all, you know. Um, I, first of all, happy New Year, brother! Happy New Year to you. I was really just talking shit, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, they, I, they, I was, I ain't really want you to go that deep with it, but you know, hey, just want to, nah. you want to expound, you can expound. Yeah, no, nah, nah, I gotta, I, gotta, I guess I can expound on that. Um, twenty twenty was very unusual. You know what I'm saying? Based off of what we've known previously, of our, our state of affairs, our, our way of being was shaken to its core, as they would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, everything was different. Um, you know, a lot of death around, a lot of a lot of death to go around. So that was that was that sucked. Um but I've had worse years. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When it comes to if you if I'm talking about just personally, I've had worse right. years. Yeah, you know I mean, um, it was. I it felt like my worst years prepared me for a year like 2020. It felt like, uh, you know, in the years where my shit wasn't right, everybody else seemed to be doing just fine. You know what I mean? Like the world mm. just moved right along. You know. 2020 it felt like everybody was doing it a fucked up year together you know what i'm saying which made it not as bad because you wasn't kind of suffering in isolation you were you know you were all isolated as a group and everybody was going through the similar thing together um so the 2020 for me actually turned out pretty good you know what i'm saying but I didn't try to fight it or force anything either way. I just, I was like Bruce Lee. I was like water. I just went where it, where it took me. I kind of went and saw how I could make the best of where I was at. So I wouldn't say it was the worst year ever. It was a bad year for, you know, being outside and humanity and, and, you know, trying to survive. But, for those that did survive, I think we we have an opportunity to continue on and see what 2021 brings. Yeah, I hear that. <clears throat> and I agree with you. Um yeah, it was it was definitely a bad year for humanity. Uh you know, it definitely tested your resilience. If you did make it through this, I think there's probably you know, a feeling of relief, but then also a feeling of, well, shit, if that's what you got, if that's what, you know, if that's as hard as it's going to get, not as hard as it's going to get, but, you know, look, if I get through that, I think I'm going to be good. I think I can get through this next one. I think I'll be all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to speak to your point, though, about <clears throat> you saying, um, you know, if you ask the timeline, <clears throat> one thing I realized 
absolutely last year. Obviously, you know, the pandemic, worldwide pandemic was definitely a collective, uh, you know, a collective episode of grief and, and just we were all we were all in the same boat, you know. But even more, even beyond that, even outside of 2020, I do realize, and I'm not sure if it's a timeline thing, mm-hmm. but to your, well, two things. One, you said you had better, you had, you've had worse years. Mm-hmm. I think I've probably had worse years too. I'm sure I've had worse years. I often feel like probably at the end of the year, and this is the point where I was going to make, at the end of the year, I'm already pretty much always done with the year. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? By the time the third week of December come, I'm ready to get the fuck out of this year and go to the next year. I'm just ready to start anew. It's just it's just part of what it is. It's how the calendar's set up, how the seasons are set up, how everything culturally is set up. It's a new year. Let's get it let's get it done. Let's be done with this old year. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like sneakers. But I'll say this too. I think now with the timeline, you know, I guess since probably at least 08, I know that's when I got on Twitter, and Twitter probably particularly more than anywhere else, even more than Facebook, and, you know, maybe maybe even more than uh, Instagram. But Twitter is the platform for commentary. So mm-hmm. even if you was having a bad year, you felt like you was having a bad year just all alone. You know right. what I mean? Like you ain't know all this all amongst your, you know, your close group of friends or your family or whatever, whoever you could right. talk to on the phone. But you didn't know people in in Georgia and people in Florida, and people over here. Everybody right. think this is a shit year. You know right. what I'm saying? Till you log on, so it's just it becomes a whole different phenomenon to where mm. now we could say as a collective, yeah, this was a whack ass year. You know, I mm-hmm. this that's kind of a new phenomenon that. uh has come about and um yeah it just kind of makes me think like prior to social media was that as much of a refrain or was that something i was really saying like damn yo you know this year was trash because it feels like you know back then if i was like that's personal pop maybe your year was whack but my year and even if their year was good they might not want to open up with you because you know nobody want no judgment nobody want to you know disclose too much Right. So it was just, you know, you just hope to see who you see in the new year, in the new year, and you just try to make another go of it. Right, right, but, right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just remember, you know, pre-social media, this was pre-everything. It was the the olden days. Um, like, I think, let's say 2000, not yet, no, 1998. Seemed like a fucked up year, even though I had some good some good wins, but it really ended kind of fucked up. You know what I'm saying? Which led me to make a change in my whole scenario. You know what I mean? Mm. So, I mean, I changed everything. You know what I mean? I cut my, I had braids and shit. I cut all that shit off, and I moved to New York, right? Mm-hmm. But it was really before I made the move and all that shit. It was really like New Year's Eve. And you know you having a fucked up year when you when your shit was fucked up, and then your New Year's Eve is also fucked up. You know what I'm saying? It's like, God damn, I ain't got no nobody to kick it with. You know what I'm saying? I'm kind of hungry in this bitch. Ain't shit cracking how it's supposed to be. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's just that 
you know that that song they play on New Year's Eve, the the, the one that's always in the movies and shit. You know what I'm saying? You hit a little a little zakus, the, the little horns blowing. Happy New Year! And they be playing the song and shit. That shit. I think, but go ahead. Uh, that shit. You know what I'm saying? The song that they play, it could sound happy, but but it could also sound sad. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's one of them joints. Like some movies, you'll see it. It'd be like a sad scene, and they playing this song, and everybody's celebrating. And sometimes you see it, everybody just celebrating. Um, but it felt like the sad song year, the New Year's Eve, 1998, going into '99, and you reflecting on how many times you bumped your head that year. You know what I'm saying? Damn, how how shit is fucked up this particular day, and. And how shit just ain't going your way. And it feel like everybody else is out partying, having a great time. You know what I'm saying? And so um, I looked at I look at that because it's what, you know, let's say January, February, March, April. Five months later, in May, everything was a reverse. You know what I'm saying? Everything was going my way. And everything was going great because of the moves I made because... The shit was so fucked up before. So sometimes you got to take great lesson and pay attention to those fucked up years. They fucked up for a reason. You know what I'm saying? It ain't like like it's just fucked up out of the blue unless you just, you know what I mean, got hit by a car or something out of your control. But most of the times it's fucked up because of the moves you didn't make or or mistakes that you made. You know what I'm saying? Or or you not doing it, doing something the right way or the, a way that may work. You may need to retool how you're thinking about what you're doing. And being able to look at it and make the adjustments and then see it work, it lets you know that, you know, fucked up years aren't forevers. You know what I mean? They just, right. you know what I'm saying? Usually fucked up days or fucked up months, weeks. You know what I mean? But you can actually pivot or, you know what I'm saying, change your thinking into usually when you when you're in those kind of situations, you start to to look less dreamy at the world and more like aggressively and doggedly add into reality. You know what I'm saying? It's like, fuck it, this is what it is, this is what the, I gotta do right now. And you bust these moves and then it opens up the dream world for you, you know. But a lot of times when you live just in the dream world and you want it to be just perfect how you want it to be, it it prolongs the fucking bad parts. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I guess yeah, I guess you just I think you just can't be wedded to anything. You know what I mean? Like you can't, you know, like put so much on it, just that take that shit in stride and realize that it's it's every day is an opportunity to make whatever you want happen, happen. Like, you know, there's such a, a, you know, a societal emphasis on this new year. You know, this is a new year. This is a new shot. You know, obviously, if you're going from the old, out of the out from the old into the new, you're going to look at the old and you're going to do the audit and you're going to see, damn, did I get to where I wanted to get? You know, when I was going into this new year, I had all of these high hopes and da 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 da. And, you know, maybe I didn't tick these boxes and shit. And maybe it was a bust. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, <laughs> damn, you know, but. 
Because I kind of felt like that maybe in 2000. 2000 might have been a bad year. Because, you know, funny thing is, like, in the midst of a bad year, what you think is a bad year, because I'm sure I've had years where, maybe not bad years, but just they might not end on the best note or I might not be like, whoo, you know, there's certain years where you're like, damn, this year, I did it. You know what I mean? There's other years where you're like, ah, I'm ready to be done with it. But <laughs> I do find myself like it just becomes a blur after a while. Right. Like I can't even, I can't even discern, you know, the only reason I think about 2000s because that's what I got out of, that's what I graduated um, from college and I was looking, I was looking for a gig and I was at the, I was at my my sister's crib. I was staying with my sister out of out of college. I didn't have my own spot yet. Mm-hmm. And um, and a friend of mine, um, one of my homies, he was uh, shit. My man Drum, he was a PA on Baby Boy. Wow. John Singleton move right and nigga I didn't really know what a PA was all I do is he was working with John Singleton in Hollywood nigga and that nigga was winning and right. I was at the crib nothing no leads I thought my shit was gonna be more cracking than what it was these fucking interviews they not going nowhere we you know what I mean I'm in this bitch fucking scrapping up resume paper going to the library to put my resume together I got one suit. <laughs> I'm going on interviews <laughs> with this one fucking suit. Ain't shit clicking. I'm starting to get real depressed. Um, <clears throat> Stop getting haircuts. That could have been part of the reason why I wasn't getting hired, too. <laughs> I remember this shit. I was I leaned all the way in on some misery shit. I was, I was woofing. I remember my sister came in from work one day. I'm fucking in the, in the living room woofing like shit. Listening to Marvin Gaye, hear my dear. You know what I mean? Like, I'm really turfed it up. My sister was like, yo, what's up with you? What is you listening to? This is depressing. I was like, this is Marvin Gaye. This is a classic. What you talking about? I was out of there, dog. It was not good. But uh, shit turned around in 01. But uh, I do remember. I remember that shit clearly. Like, oh, man, it was a, it was a tough one, you know? Um but at just in that moment, you know, the fact that we could laugh about that shit, I could laugh about the whole situation, I could I could realize I survived it, it gives mm-hmm. you perspective. It's like, yo, man, it ain't going to be, you know what I mean? Like, <clears throat> you know, in the, the context was, was what made it feel so, you know, so uh, seismic or whatever, like that shit. Okay, now, yeah, yeah. But when you think about it, yeah, because you didn't get your shot to, you thought it was going to be like this. You thought you was going to come out of college, you was going to jump into a fly-ass job, and you was going to be everything you wanted to be. But there was there was some <laughs> struggle. And if you look at it on the calendar, it wasn't even that long. It wasn't right. even that long considering. Right. But uh, it gives you perspective. You're like, man... It'll be all right, man. Just wake up, have some faith, you know, man. Go get a shape up. You know what I'm saying? Maybe, you know, maybe uh, <clears throat> just uh, don't be so wedded to it. I remember going to to interviews and that shit, you know. Uh, how soon could you start? You know, those type of questions. You think of shit. I guess we about to start. You don't hear nothing from nobody <laughs> waiting for a letter of intent. All because that's back in the days we used to that to wait for the phone to ring and hopefully you got a message. Man, shit, 20 years later, I'm woofing again. 
<laughs> but I feel better. I feel like it's going to be all right, man. <laughs> I feel like we'll be fine, man. Yeah, oh, man. shit, dog. Yeah, man. So, yeah. you know, yeah, I'm man. just happy to get here. No yeah. doubt. I, I think I think with, with all that type of shit, you know what I'm saying, you know, like the pandemic, it brings on a lot of things that, like, are outside of your control. You know what I'm saying? Death. Right. A lot of the death that's coming along with it, it's outside of your control. And, you know, how you respond to it, you know, you don't know how you're going to respond to it because it's never been this way. You never looked at the news and it's all global death that applies to every single person, not just, oh, that's oh that's over in Berlin. No, that's Beirut. You know what I mean? Right. Now everybody has to face it across the board. This is how they plan it out. So it's like, Mm. You know, you deal with you dealing with that every day. But once you release for me, once I, you know, I've 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 learned how to relinquish the control. You know what I'm saying? And and a lot of those hard times, it teaches you how to relinquish control cuz you know, sometimes you ain't going to be able to fix all the problems at once. You know what I'm saying? That's most of the thing that brings on what makes it feel so bad because you want to fix the problem, but you can't fix that shit today. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you can't fix that shit tomorrow. You don't even know when you can fix it. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's a whole, and it's a whole bunch of other problems just stacking up right behind mm-hmm. that one. So it's like, man, it makes you just want to be like, you know what? Fuck it. Just walk away, start over. Yeah. But, for me, it wasn't, it was like, nah, let me fix this shit. And the only way to fix it is one little shit at a time. You know what I'm saying? And with each little fix, you get a little more and more confident. You know what I'm saying? You're like, oh, shit. And you fix another little, oh, shit. And so, you know, and when you get growner, the problems, like, you know, young problems, like what we was talking about, just trying to find a job or, you know what I'm saying, find your way. That's a simple, that's a one-day fix. That's a, oh, shit, you got the job. That's Then and shit is fixed. You know what I'm saying? Right. When you get grown, them problems be long and lingering. You know what I'm saying? Like, you be like, yeah, damn, nigga. That shit is going to be seven years on my credit report. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> each little problem is seven years. You be like, shit. Right, right. <laughs> so, so, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's like... As you get growner, that shit gets gets heavier, and but once you learn how to like relinquish, like why well, I'm fucking worried about seven years on my credit report when I ain't used my credit for seven years. So shit, let me just fix this shit. I'll be alright. I'm saying, well, I'm fucking so stressing out about that shit. Let me just fix it. You know what I'm saying? If it take two right. years to fix, then so be it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Then you realize, oh, man, all my problems weren't really no problems. You know what I'm saying? It was just some shit I was perceiving the wrong way. And, and when you talk to people and you, you know what I'm saying, you hear how other people handle the shit or how how people you look up to handle the shit, you be like, damn, shit. You know what I'm saying? That shit wasn't really what I thought it was. You know, you thought that shit was life crushing, which ends up being soul crushing, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> Hell Yeah. I remember one time I was talking to um to Bev and mm-hmm. I don't know how we got into it, but I was like, Yeah, I'm fucking I'm in debt. And she was like, The country's in debt. 
And that <laughs> shit changed everything. I was like, oh shit. Like I looked at that shit. I was like, yo, absolutely. Fuck it. Then I'm good. You know what I'm saying? I'll get there. And I got out of it eventually. But just to, like you said, sometimes people, the perspective. Sometimes you just need a different perspective. Sometimes you just need a different camera angle. Right. And uh, shit look a little better. The picture look a little better. Yeah, the crazy uh, shit is, motherfuckers mm-hmm. won't even. You got to be in debt to raise your goddamn credit score. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And back, like in the early days, I ain't know that. I'm thinking if I don't do shit, then I'll be cool. But then you fuck it up when you do something. You're like, ah, I'm fucked up. Mm-hmm. But it's like shit, nigga. The most shit you got, the better your credit score. You just yeah. gotta, you know what I'm saying? Handle the shit, you know. I'm like, this shit here crazy, man. Gotta be in the game. And honestly, I'm gonna be honest with you. Uh, <clears throat> good credit ain't what it used to be. I will be <laughs> honest with you. I've seen, I just had a conversation with a friend of mine the other day, but you know, like, you know, just uh, leasing, uh, perform, like, you know, just like little leasing uh, percentages and shit like that. Mm-hmm. It don't do a whole lot like you thought it would. Sometimes you think it'll bring shit way down because your credit is nice. Mm-hmm. And that shit, that shit is like, dog, I did all of that and y'all giving me $40 off. That's what that shit did. That's all that, that took off was 40 fucking shit. Anyway, man. The problem be, though, it ain't be like the percentage of discount or whatever. The problem also be the, the difference between the yes and the no. You know what yeah, I'm saying? true. And then... I, you know what I'm saying? Even fucking around with life and getting grown and be just handling just handling business and shit, you realize that a lot of these loans and shit, they give them to who they want to give them to, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, they have the right to tell you no at a lower score. You know what I'm saying? They don't know you. I don't know you, dog. You know what I'm saying? Fuck that. That's a low score. You know what I'm saying? We going to go ahead and, and it's a no for us. You know what I mean? Right. But then... When you change some of the little variables and shit and then they looking like they want to work with you, you know what I'm saying? And they figure mm-hmm. it out, you be like, well, God damn. I, I went to another place. They told me absolutely no. I came here with a different perspective. I moved a little different. I handled my, my I went in there just like, listen, this is what it is. This is what I'm looking to do. And can you do it or not before we start down this road? Oh, nah, we can fuck with that. You're like, really? <laughs> and that's exactly what they say. We could fuck with that. You know what I'm saying? And then it'd be like, you know what I'm saying? Boom, you come in and the shit comes in a whole lot better than you thought. Percentage rate a whole lot lower than you thought. And you're like, man, this shit here crazy, man. Because they ain't have no real reason to give me that. But they did. Yeah. Because I came in like somebody they wanted to work with. Right. And and so it, it, it's it's all all this shit is variable and it's all people in between you and what you want to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I went into a spot. My my credit was you know what I'm saying not that good. You know what I'm saying? They they've made it happen, but then in the real closing shit, the motherfucker told me how to really fix my shit. In a way, you know what I'm saying? It's like, listen, I see what you got going on. It, you know, you ain't got a whole lot of bad shit. You just ain't got no shit. 
You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Right. And this right here, what we giving you, gonna give you some shit to work with. When you come back in about a year and a half, this shit should jump your score about a hundred points, and then you'll be at a whole another place. And I could give you, you know what I'm saying, a whole lot more for what you paying right now. Mm. I'm like, damn, free game. Yeah, that's a good look. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Gotta, we gotta respect that. You gotta respect like, that. Shit, man, this shit is a, you know what I'm saying? So, a lot of times we let these numbers and these what's printed on the paper, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. The threats, the the letters, we let those shits affect us in a way that that not only worries you, you know what I'm saying, but it it drags you down. It affects your health, you know what I'm saying? Because you worried about some shit that's just words, you know what I'm saying? But when you get in the world. You start moving around and you start understanding and you keep your confidence on what you're trying to do, that some no's turn into yeses. And, you know, as fucked up as Trump is and how he represents and all that shit, you know what I'm saying? He's a nigga to let you know that, goddamn, you could fuck all the way up. You know what I'm saying? File bankruptcy and, and keep it motherfucking moving. You know what I'm saying? A he, few times, you know, what I'm saying he the motherfucker that lets you know that the system works for for the for continuation of getting money, man. Nobody, the system don't want you to fall out the game, right? The, right. The system keep playing. Don't, you know what I'm saying? The system don't want you to fall all the way out the game. Like, just keep playing, and you'll realize that somebody want to make some money off you. Yeah, that's true. Stay in the game. Keep getting up. Keep going for it, and, and clean your credit up if you can. You know, it might not even it might only take forty dollars off, but it'll make you feel pretty good. It'll make you feel pretty yeah. good, trust it, me. It turned more of them no's into yeses, man. Absolutely. You, you wanna you want the yeses when you're trying to yeah. bust your move. Cause yeah. you know, there are bigger moves to bust if you want to you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Oh shit, man. So how you doing, man? <laughs> you know <laughs> what's going on with you? Man, I'm I'm actually tired. <laughs> yeah. Whoa out. Wow, as they as 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 they were saying in where I'm from. Whoa out. Now um drove from Atlanta to New York. Oh wow. You know okay. And it was a smooth ride. You know what I'm saying? I ain't complaining about the ride because I didn't really get tired. You know, it took about fifteen it was fifteen plus plus change, but we was bullshitting in the end. Okay. You did the whole run yourself or y'all switched I up? I did it. Bit? I went from Atlanta. I, I got got us all the way to Jersey. And okay. then, right. then I relaxed. Um okay. but but we like I said, we bullshit a little bit because my son wanted an iPhone twelve for for Christmas uh-huh. or whatever. Okay. But he wanted to buy it since he knew we was driving back, he wanted to buy it in Delaware so that he mm. wouldn't have to pay sales tax. Which, smart, smart, smart. which I thought was shrewd, you know what I'm saying. Uh-huh. So I played yeah. along because you want to, you know what I'm saying, reinforce that type of, you know what I'm saying, thought process. Yeah. Yeah. So you know what I'm saying that you know we bullshitted off an hour and some change just doing that at the mall, blah blah blah. Mm. But you know what I'm saying the ride was smooth, and the reason I was able to push it all the way through was you know I um I was listening to. I listened to two narrative podcast series, which when you're driving, it felt like binge watching Netflix or some shit. You know mm. what I'm saying? So I was mm. like, okay, this is cool. You know, I mean, um, I listened to, first I listened to Fight Night, that um, it's iHeart 
radio. Uh, Will Packer produced it, and um, Doghouse Films was uh, actually produced it as well. So, what's that about? Basically, it was about Muhammad Ali had a fight when after he got banned from not going to be at Vietnam. Uh-huh. His first fight back, they pulled off him. Nobody would give him a license, but they found a loophole in Georgia to let him fight. So they had to fight in Atlanta. And so um, the the podcast was about that fight and this after party that some hustlers arranged, some hustlers from New York arranged a big after party with a hustler okay. in Atlanta. And, um, and the after party got robbed. You know what I'm saying? They robbed, they, they laid everybody down. You know what I'm saying? So it's the story, that whole story of, of, you know, the fanfare around the fight. You know how the Super Bowl, All-Star Weekend type of right. weekends. It was like that, niggas with the furs and having their Rolls Royce ship down and all that. So it was really setting the tone of the environment and then uh, bringing you in to how the robbery played out and then the aftermath. So that was cool. Muhammad was in the party or no? No, 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 no. Muhammad Ali wasn't in the party. It was all oh, okay. It was like Cooper a gambling. It was like a gambling. You know what I'm saying? It was like the high life party. Like you know what I'm saying? All the hustlers and pimps and you know what I'm saying. Got it. Got it. It was you know you in that gambling, drinking, you know, talking, you talk that type of thing. You know, uh, so that was interesting. You know what I mean? I, um, mm-hmm. I fuck, I fucked with it. So it was you know I had a couple of little issues. You know. And you had to suspend some part of your process to listen to it, but I thought it now was. Let me good. ask you this real quick. Let me ask you this because <clears throat> this is the entire collective in the car. Are there headphones in the car, or is everybody on board with Fight Night in this next other narrative podcast? Oh no, 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 no. See, I like to drive in the night, so motherfuckers okay. sleep. <laughs> You know what okay, got gotcha, you, so, got gotcha. you. Okay. So for the most part, like I started at three in the morning. So mm-hmm. be- between mm-hmm. three and ten, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? You free and clear everybody sleep. You by yourself. You know got what I'm saying? You. And then the next one, of course, everybody had their headphones in the back. And then my wife, she tuned in to the next one, which I re-listened to Crime Town that Gimlet Media produced. And uh okay. The Crime Town now season two. That, that's what you did in Detroit. What's that? Crime Detroit. Town? What's yeah, that Detroit. About? Okay. It was by Detroit. What's the story on that. What's the story? The story on is that? basically how um, Detroit crime and politics played together. You know what I'm saying? It's really a, a look into the the politics and the corruption of Detroit and. And really pinning the fall of Detroit on black folks. I mean, if you really want to bust it down, you know what I'm saying? Looking at, you know, just, just putting How'd that a, happen? You know what I'm saying? Just putting put a... No, because they're, they're, they're tying the corruption mm-hmm. in politics to the downfall of the city, really. That's not, that's mm-hmm. not the main point of the podcast, but right. if you step away with a, you know what I'm saying, with a broader sense, that's what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? Because if if I had told the story, it probably would have went a little differently. But it, you know, you still end up with the same results either way. Got it. But um, so it looks at how corruption and politics played a role in in 
the the fall of Detroit per se. So, but it's, it's well produced. That's why I re-listened to it so I could kind of get some ideas on on things. Right, right. You know what I'm saying because okay. they they I mean I, they did a kick ass job mixing, producing, and really telling the story. All right. Which one you like better out the two of them? Crime Town. Reason I didn't I, um, Fight Night. The pro- only problem I had with Fight Night was that the guy who actually. Um, did the research on the story. His father heard about the story when it happened and told him about it as a child. You know what I mean? And so, mm-hmm. so you know, you got you got this this uh this 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 white kid from Atlanta hearing this story of these hustlers and this flamboyant lifestyle of everybody coming to the fight, and they're you know enthralled by this, intrigued by this whole thing, and. That type of thing comes across in his narrative because he's the voice of it. So he's inserting mm-hmm. himself into the story. But then, you know, when you when you do it as a movie and uh, the white guy has written the movie and found this story and told it, written it out in a way that's going to be, you know, intriguing. You don't have to see him. You know what I'm saying? Per se. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. But when you listen to the credits, right? You're yeah. listening to this p- podcast, and he's inserting himself, and he's inserting the story of his father, you know, talking his way into Muhammad Ali's room to ask him to speak to the kids, but then he never revisited to say if Muhammad Ali did it or not. It just right. felt it felt intrusive. You know what I'm saying? Mm. It was like yeah. he's intruding on this story of these hustlers and this party and this robbery. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. So it felt like Vlad TV. You know what I'm saying? You know how uh-huh. you know a rapper would be on Vlad and he was telling the story. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? When we was in Brooklyn and shit. You know what I'm saying? I was robbing niggas and da 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 da. And then you hear Vlad chime in. So you said you, <laughs> you grew up in a two family household in Brooklyn, but you were still robbing people. Like, I mean, tell me about that. Like, what is that like to be uh, a spoiled child robbing people in the streets? And it feels very right. intrusive. It feels like that laugh that Dave Chappelle heard in the audience when right. he wanted to lead the Chappelle show. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it yeah, just yeah. it felt like the story got into the wrong hands. Nah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, pumping the brakes and shit, and jumping in there, right. fucking up the flow sometimes. Right. I, I found that in uh, there was a narrative podcast. I don't do a lot of narrative podcasts. I I, I start them. I don't always get through them. Right. But um, one of them I started, I didn't get through for that, a lot for that particular reason was one, I think it's called Racket or Rackets. Mm-hmm. And it's about... The strip club culture in Atlanta, you know, mm-hmm. like how to really it's actually about the gold club in particular and, you know, all of the controversy that surrounded the gold club and its heyday and, you know, mm-hmm. the ultimate takedown and all of that shit. Mm-hmm. And it's cool. And it's, you know, it's a strip club podcast. So they talk about strip clubs and shit like that. But the narrators are very NPR in tone. Right, you know, and the shit it doesn't it doesn't go together. It's like so in Atlanta, uh, they uh, due to various uh, zoning laws, they are allowed to get what is known as 
asshole naked in Atlanta. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, that shit, you was not supposed to be the person delivering this narrative. Like, you are mm-hmm. not putting enough salt on this content. This shit here is rather bland. You're killing this fried chicken. <laughs> Right. But uh, yeah, so I definitely know what you're saying. I just kind of, I kind of dropped up out of there. I might yeah. revisit it, but uh, right. yeah, I know, I know how you feel. Right, I'm, oh, I might have to check that one out. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it's it, you know, it was, but it's the story was was intriguing enough on its own to right. to be like, oh shit, that's wild. You know what I mean? And yeah. you can't, and and as much as you you don't want them to 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 put himself in the narrative, he the motherfucker that went and did the research and figured it out yeah. and 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 interviewed everybody, you know what I'm saying? So, hey man, you get you you know, let him do his thing. It's just that, you know, again, it I think they're they're teeing it up to be a a movie or a series. So, okay. I think that's it's like a springboard from there. But, yeah. you know, hopefully you don't have to he doesn't have to insert himself into it to make it a movie. Like it'll be in its natural right. state. Right, 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 right. I seen that happen with uh Lorenz Tate's podcast, Bronzeville, the one about Chicago. Mm-hmm. That's gonna turn into either a TV show or a movie. So that should be cool. I never really I never listened to it. I knew about it. I might have heard one episode. Mm-hmm. The other narrative one I start, I might have got maybe two episodes in. There's one and I forget the name of it. It's about um, it's about New Jack Swing and oh, wow. um, yeah, it's about the whole like New Jack Swing mo- movement and Teddy Riley and all of that. And it's it's narrated by Taraji um, mm. P Henson, so it's cool. You know what I mean? Like she obviously is familiar with the era. You know, it's, that's part of her. Her, you know, she was in it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? She she lived a lot of it. So there's a there's a uh, it's endemic. You know what I'm right. saying? Right. So uh yeah, man. I, I didn't finish that either. But uh yeah, shout out to that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But shout out to those people that watch that listen to those. Yo, check yeah. that out. Check that out. I mean the the first one that that I got hip to was on a drive uh to mm-hmm. Atlanta was Combat mm-hmm. Jack's Mogul, the season one of Mogul on Gimlet. That right. introduced me to that. Yeah, Chris Light. That introduced me to that form of storytelling. It was very intriguing. And after I heard that, it was like, damn, I want to do one, you know? And, and so, right. you know, it was revisiting some of the, the more well-done well ones and then, you know, a new one. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, yeah, man. The streets are saying that you out here about to do something like that. You know, so <laughs> <laughs> niggas can't wait. You don't want to hear that. That's what the streets is saying. You say the streets is saying. The streets is out. The streets is talking. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very, I'm very intrigued with that form of storytelling because it's uh, similar to documentary filmmaking, except for uh, you know you don't have no cameras. You know, uh, it's it's putting it together in a way that that you know tells stories for the low, really. Right. You know? Shit, you're a professional storyteller, so it don't make you know. It seems like that's a natural situation. You well, know? we you gonna know, see so the people ready. Yeah, the people ready. We gonna see. Oh, uh, yeah, man. So that's dope. So let me ask you this: After all of that driving, uh huh, did you get a chance to see Power? 
Of course, of course. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, shit. This is this is why I'm tired because you okay. drove 15 okay. hours. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? You cheer for a minute, watch power. It wasn't a whole lot of sleeping going on. This is what I'm trying to say. I hear you. Yo, yeah, of you. course. I I, yeah, I'll check that shit out. I'll check that shit out. Man, I fell asleep in the damn clubhouse room last night, man. This is the second time this has happened, man. Man, that's it. Yeah. They got that's, memes about that type of shit, man. If you yeah. if you delve in the clubhouse too long, you might fall asleep. Niggas don't know how to stop talking. I, I mean, I think yeah. some of these people talk for a living because yeah. I get alerts, yeah. and it be like the same motherfuckers every day, all day. Absolutely. You're like, at what point do y'all take a breath? Right. Yeah, but shit, I guess I, I'm just as bad because I don't stop listening. I was tuned <laughs> all the way into some shit yesterday. Right. Uh, yeah, we, I mean, fuck it. We'll talk about that real fast. It was, uh, it was a room. Well, I learned a lot from this room. You know, not even about the subject. Well, I talk about the subject too, but um, and then I talk about what I learned from this room and just clubhouse in general. Uh, another clubhouse lesson, but um, the room was, uh, and the thing about the rooms is it, it just that's that's just the the starting point. Oftentimes, that's the that's the premise. You know what I mean? But they should get tangential like a motherfucker. So the room was uh. Uh, would a battle between Snoop and Eminem be bad for the culture? You know? Because uh, I'm not sure if you know this, but it seems as though there could be a little bit of a beef brewing between Snoop and Eminem, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it all stems. Are you familiar with what's going yeah, yeah, on? Yeah, I'm familiar with it. Okay. Because uh, shout out to your man, Van Lathan was, uh, I believe, the moderator of the room. Mm-hmm. He started when I got in there it was him, Royce the Five Nine, uh, Glasses Malone. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was in there at that point? I think Mouse Jones. Uh, who else? I'm probably leaving out a couple people. Just and then it expanded from there. Like all types of people came in there, you know. So basically, initially it was all you know, um, Measy. Um, He's obviously these are clubhouse names. Measy's Twenty One Savages manager, but if you've been on Clubhouse, you're probably familiar with Measy Estates. Uh, so anyway, uh, so everybody at first is talking, talking about the, uh, you know, just the the thought of Eminem versus Snoop. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Is that even some shit people want to see? Blase skip, you know, and everybody's giving their, you know, everybody's giving their take on it, and. Mm-hmm. I'll say this. My thing is, I think Eminem versus Snoop is either going to be super boring and forgettable or extremely disrespectful. I don't think there's going to be no in-between. Right. I don't think it's going to, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's either going to be, ah, they shouldn't have done that, or, oh, shit, this is because they, they, they've been around each other so long that they both probably know a lot of inside information about the other. Mm-hmm. And shit could get real personal real fast if it was to go there. Right. You know, but I I, oft, I also feel like they legacy artists. You know what I'm saying? They both they both in the rafters. They both champions with rings, you know, mm-hmm. plural. You know what I'm saying? Like they really don't have nothing to prove. These are not new rappers that are trying to, you know, 
carve out a legacy for themselves. Their legacy, they, they, I don't want to say the twilight of their career, but they legacy acts. Everything mm-hmm. else, they, they're in the books. You know what I'm saying? So, and they, and they like, they came up in the same camp. And their styles don't really match. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, who, you know, it's an interesting uh, head to head or whatever. So, me, I'd rather not see it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I, I, I could let that go. I hope they have a conversation. And I often, I also think, and this goes to my other point, but I also think that what I'm noticing, because a lot of the people in there were at least, mid to late 30s, if not 40s, mm-hmm. you know, hip-hop fans, I think cats that uh, fuck with hip-hop in that age range who have been fucking with hip-hop for 20-plus years, mm-hmm. they've aged in hip-hop as well, just like the rappers have. And like I said a couple of weeks ago, you kind of get in the spirit of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. You kind of get exhausted by all that shit. You know what I'm saying? You kind of look at beef differently. It's not really a ladder no more. It's just kind of like, ah, that shit, we don't really need to, you know, you don't need to take every fight and get a little older. You know what I'm saying? And this is what I learned also in the clubhouse because there was times when, you know, I'm not one to really raise my hand and jump on stage like that. I'd rather listen more mm. often than not. <laughs> you know what I mean? More often than not, depending on the... uh Depending on the topic at hand, and particularly when it comes to hip hop, you know what I'm saying? Like, I thought about me maybe in college. Oh, I couldn't wait to get up there. I used to love to argue rap because I was <laughs> I was fucking young, and my retention for lyrics was like a one. I could spit everybody's shit. Oh nah, the nigga way better because he said niggas. Yeah, me niggas ain't fucking with that. You know what I mean? You just you amped up. You you ready for the fight? It's not even an argument no more. It's not a debate. It's an argument. Damn near to a fight. You try to win the room. You know what I'm saying? You ain't even hearing each other. You just try to throw your points. Um, nowadays I just I'd rather listen. Cause what's funny is sometimes what I do like is you'll see people that like. There's a difference between a hot take. Sometimes a hot take could be fun. Sometimes a hot take could be exhaustive. Sometimes a hot take could just be a gimmick. Sometimes a hot take could just, it might not be a hot take. It might just be some shit that you really didn't consider, right? Mm-hmm. So I say all that to say, like, uh, as I said, this this uh, conversation, this shit went on all types of tangents. So one of the tangents was... uh. Uh, you know, basically how it stemmed was, you know, these people are now, both of these rappers are 50, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Or almost 50 and their lives are different. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you don't really need to hear much about what's going on. And then, um, Glasses Malone made the comment. He was like, you know, like 444, that was a pop album. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And nigga, that made the room go, what? Whoa, get the fuck out of here, you bugging nigga. Pop album, come on. What are you talking about? And Glasses Below loved to argue. You know what I'm saying? Like, he loved, he's good at this shit. He mm. loved to have some shit that I have you like, I can't fuck with you on that, Pop. And then give it 10 minutes. And you like, oh, okay. I see where you at. Which is a skill. Which is a skill, especially when it's 40 niggas on the stage and motherfuckers yelling, one mic, one mic. You know what I mean? But um <laughs> he, he he brought motherfuckers around. He brought motherfuckers around. It was a, it was an interesting point. The point 
just in in a quick uh paraphrasing it was um it was basically he believes and it's interesting and I, I i get it and i, I don't want to i don't know if i'm gonna do it as much justice but basically his whole shit is hip-hop is for the voiceless you know what i'm saying hip-hop is it needs to make people uncomfortable and you know really? and you know disturb people it needs to yeah 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 no 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 part of me uh yeah hip-hop needs to make people uncomfortable hip-hop is about um disturbing the comfortable and comforting the disturbed and i might be fucking that up but um, no, basically but is that what culture really is this is but this is his definition. Okay. You know, that's the thing about Clubhouse. Everybody got their own definitions. Everybody's an, an expert. You know what I mean? But this is this is his this is what he going for. This is sword that he going to fall on. He's like it needs to be hip hop. It needs to be like Chief Keef is hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Because he was so it was so organic. He's the shit that you this shit that this is the first time you really even hearing about the drill scene. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Where it's like his whole shit is like if we're talking about shit that's on CNN, it's pop. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He's like, Black Struggle is pop now. Jay-Z's mm-hmm. whole life is pop now at this point. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Even though many people can argue, many people did argue. Just Blaze mm-hmm. was in there, a bunch of motherfuckers. You know, this was a very introspective album. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He He's talking about therapy. He's talking about, you know, the, the OJ. You know what I mean? The rich nigga. You know, all of that type of shit. Right. Um... And, uh, but, but, you know, so his point was, yeah, but that shit is pop. That shit is pop. He's 50 years old. He's talking about shit that many people can relate to. He's talking about, yeah, it's his, it's his marriage that was rocky, but many people have had rocky marriages. So it appeals to more people than somebody that's just polarizing. Right. So this is, this, this, this is shit. He even said, which I thought was kind of ill, like they were like, um, he was like, uh, I think Van, because Van, you know, Van could argue too, and uh, you know, sometimes you you try to you try to yeah, you pick, you put money <laughs> on one of these motherfuckers <laughs> off to the side, you do side bets. Like I, I think this nigga Van might get him, you know what I mean? But uh, I, nah, I have this to deal with Van every week. I know, absolutely. Not okay, that, so. not that he difficult. He just he has his his points of views, and you have to. Yeah. You have to make them fit within what you're trying to do as a as a show, and right. I think we both we both all we come to a understanding every time that okay, you know what I mean, right? right. But we 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 went head to head a few times. Gotcha. So check it. So though, so Van was like, you know, Van was arguing, nah, that's not this is that's not pop, that's hip hop, this that and the other thing. He was like, you know, I just think it's his sensibility. He's mm-hmm. talking about, you know, he's talking about things like, you know, you know, uh, you know, like just how it is to be in a, you know, then somebody threw around the, with the term that's been floating around for a while. Adult contemporary hip hop is just a sense of sensibility. And he's, you know, he's saying, you know, be more, you know, uh, responsible with your money. No niggas don't need the money phones. Glasses was like, but the money phone is hip hop. <laughs> niggas was like. Yeah, kind of, you know what I mean? Like, it was just a lot of, like, you had right. to kind of be there because it was it was a lot of, it was a tennis match. Right, you know what right. I mean? Every You know, it's a lot of motherfuckers throwing takes around it. That's what I'm saying. Sometimes, you know, the hot take could get exhausted because you're going to have to argue that shit and argue that shit. And sometimes right. it's about the stamina of it all. Right. Right? So, um, long story short, 
what I and this was a long ass run. I told you I fell asleep in this motherfucker. The shit done changed hands a few times and shit. Um what's so funny about these clubhouse things is, you know, and not particularly these cats, but um well in that in that room there was other situations, but like it goes from premise. You know what I mean? Here's the topic. Here's the debate. The debate gets a little lively. Then the debate starts to become an argument. Then it's one mic, one mic. Then it's nigga, suck my dick, nigga. I'll kick your ass. You know what I mean? Fuck you up, nigga. Da-da-da-da. Then it's kumbaya, nigga. Yo, I just want to give you your roses. <laughs> it's the funniest cycle of fucking opinion. This shit is hilarious to me. But yeah. um, how do we get into that shit? Yeah, I just, I just, uh, that's why part of the reason why I'm tired. And how did we get into that? <laughs> how did we get into that shit? We was talking about because we was gonna go to power. But we was talking about that shit. Yeah. We was talking about uh, I can't fucking. But, remember. but I, oh, it's about the M uh-huh. versus oh, Eminem and Snoop, Snoop Dogg. I mean, curious. Let me, me comment. Yeah, give me give me a take on that. All right. First of all, <clears throat> the beef is over some bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Taking out of yeah. proportion. It's bullshit. It's a slight. Nigga mad about a slight. Or white guys mad about a slight. slight. But really, it wasn't necessarily a slight. He's saying M wasn't in his top 10. I don't feel like that's a slight. You know what I'm saying? Even if that's your friend. You know what I'm saying? Your friend don't have to like your shit as more than he like fucking 40 years of hip-hop. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't fall in the the top 10 of 40 years of hip-hop. Like, he was saying that it's niggas in the 80s that... That's he Snoop respects and loves that people don't necessarily talk about no more. But I agree because even before Houdini died, before um you know ecstasy from ecstasy. Houdini died, I had yeah. been saying maybe for the last two years it's been coming up in conversation that I feel like he is one of the greatest writers that ever existed in hip hop. Now. Yeah, people will beat you down. He might not have been the best, you know what I'm saying, blow for blow, lyricist, pound for pound, but the nigga thoughts was so clear, you know what I'm saying, in that era of hip-hop that it was perfect. Like, friends will never go out of style. That shit will never not be relevant, you know what I'm saying? Like, the way right. he they wrote that shit was so clean that that's like you listen to that shit 100 years from now and be like, damn, yeah, I got friends that just only come around when they want some money too. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But so Snoop's position was that I got a lot of these old school cats in my top rap that I don't have Eminem in, and Snoop actually said the exact same shit did I say about Eminem. You know what I mean? Eminem never said nothing that made me go ooh and get the goosebumps that were related. Now he you could you could respect his technical ability and and his flow and you know what I'm saying being able to flip words and all that stuff it's just his content his commentary never related to who who I was so that takes him out of my top 10 because I can't put him in there cuz it's been plenty of motherfuckers that gave me goosebumps when I heard the shit that they said you know so I didn't. This is good. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. ahead, Finish your point. No, I just didn't. I didn't disagree with Snoop at all, and I just thought it was a bullshit premise to start a beef over. This is the thing. 
And I agree to a point because this is the point that I, and I remember watching the interview and I was like, then I felt like that came out of nowhere, but it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? There's many people that feel beyond Snoop. There's many people that feel like Eminem is uh, kind of trumped up on a certain level. And there's a lot of people that feel like a lot may have to do with the fact that he's a white rapper and he, you know, whatever, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not mad at having an opinion. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody is entitled to their opinion. The part, cause then I heard Eminem, uh, comment on why he said what he said. And when he said mm-hmm. what he said, it wasn't even nothing crazy. He just yeah. kind of, he threw a little jab. Yeah. Right? A little, little jab. What he said, yeah, it wasn't nothing too crazy. It was just a little... I, I heard that shit. I want to let you know I heard that shit. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I felt the way. Whole lot, right? Mm-hmm. So, when he broke down why he was upset, because he said he's entitled to his opinion. He could feel that way, dude. All of these cats. I never said I was fucking with KRS-One, Big Daddy Kane, any of these people. Cool G Rap. I've never said that. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? These are people that I fuck with, right? Mm-hmm. He said the part that got him, he said more so than the statement was the tone. And it was after the fact of what he said, he said all of that. And he was like, um, and I don't want to, I'm paraphrasing cause I can't, I don't, I'm gonna fuck up the quote exactly, but basically the quote something to the effect of, um, uh, what did he say? He said, you know, he, he's not in my top 10. Da, 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 da. He said, uh, that's some shit. I could just, I don't never need to hear that type of shit no more. Some shit like that. Like, that was the after. Like, the whole thing was, I don't even need that shit no more. Like, it was like, mm-hmm. kind of, sort of like, man, get that shit out of here. You know I, what I'm saying? I, like, I don't think I heard that part of it, but I feel it, the same It is, because I didn't think I heard it either till they replayed it, and it is a part at the end where he says something, like a little slicker, like, you know, you already made your point. And it was like, far shit that I don't need, I don't need that shit no more. Like, to that point, and I right. could see the point of, if y'all on the same squad, like, if that's your man like that, even if you don't fuck with his shit, right. just... You the hell back just on to, that. Yeah, just out of, just, just to be respectful, polite, because that's your peer, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you can say, nah, he's not in my top five, whatever, whatever. But to be like, that shit, I don't, that nigga, I don't need that shit at all. Type <laughs> of shit. Now you done threw some elbow grease on it. Now you done mushed me. You know right, what I'm saying? Like, right. you didn't, you didn't not, you know what I'm saying? It's one thing to be like, you, 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 and you. And then it's another thing to be like, get the fuck out of here. That, that, that's what we cost a lot. So that, I think that's what kind of, Made him feel away. I, I, I feel that. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't. I ain't necessarily catch that part of it. You know what I'm saying? Right. I just felt like, for me, what he said represented how I felt. You know what I mean? And like, I again, I, I don't have nothing against him. I just that's not something I I, I got into. You know what I'm saying? It was never something that touched me. You know what I mean? So, but I'm not right. Snoop Dogg that rap in Dr. Dre's camp. I'm just a a nigga sitting on the sideline. Talking shit right. about the music, you know what I'm saying? Right. And yeah. you know, but I I, I think I, go, ahead. go ahead. Nah, go nah, ahead. Finish your point. Nah, go finish ahead. Your point. Nah, you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say, man, I respect Eminem as a lyricist. He's not somebody that like he wouldn't be in my top five. But like I make the analogy, like in DJs, right? 
Mm-hmm. He's like a turntablist. You know what I'm saying? Right, like he right. gonna be crabbing and flaring and beat juggling all crazy. Right. But if it's Friday at 2 a.m., he might not be able to rock the party. He, he might not. not. He, he ain't might, gonna be in my clear the floor. He yeah, you're not. You're not really mind. going to that. He gonna speak to the soul. He making shit for a certain demographic. He's right. got a because I I revisited one of his albums today just based off the the uh, the conversation. I listened to the Recovery album, which people mm-hmm. feel like that's one of his last great albums. Mm-hmm. And there's some shit on there, but then there's also a song on there that's like um, uh, White Trash Party. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And it's like, well, that's specific. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It ain't nothing but a White Trash Party. And it's like, well, you know, I, I see, I feel it. If I was White Trash, I'd probably really be all in. Right. But he's speaking to somebody and I, I'm not mad at it because I do respect the fact that he can get right. introspective, the fact that he can get vulnerable and all of that shit. Right. But I think that he is so super duper lyrical, you know, punny and all of this other shit that kind of sometimes it may not all the way connect on a on a soul level. Right. Now, I mean, yeah, he, he has the technical ability to flow. Right. I, I think I liked him on, you know what I'm saying, the, the Chronic 2001 shit that he was doing, you know what I'm saying, he outsigned yeah. Jay-Z on, on the record, just technically. But he ain't, to me, I've never heard an Eminem lyric that was like, ooh, God damn, that's, that's, that hit me in my gut, in my soul. You know what I'm saying? Because right. he's, he's right. coming from a whole totally different perspective. And, you know what I'm saying, you... At why you respect that it's just you don't I don't have to get in I don't have to get into it because right. you know, it's just like some of some of you know it's like at Kanye yeah Kanye West you know what I'm saying Kanye West got to a point where I didn't rock with his perspective you know what I'm saying and I just mm-hmm. checked out in the beginning. I, I was like okay cool 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 but then at a certain point it just started like he just he just wasn't. He was talking from a different perspective that I, yeah, I didn't really align with. You know what I'm saying? And you could say a nigga got real rich and was talking real rich nigga shit, but that wasn't really it because Jay Z is real rich and he talked real. I could still align with what he's saying when he's like, you know what I'm saying? I, I was I could have bought that building in Dumbo for five million. Now how much is worth? It's worth twenty five million. Now I feel like a Dumbo. You know what I'm saying? I get it because shit, this shit I could have did in life that. I didn't do that's like damn I should have did that shit you know not that I was buying a 25 million dollar building but shit I understand that's right. where you at I hear you no I feel you I feel you there's a lot of shit that yeah I'm thinking if I had to think of I think I don't think there's any Eminem lyric that speaks to my soul like that but the one Eminem lyric that makes me laugh a lot is uh <clears throat> something like he said, I hop out the car with two broke legs, try to walk it off. <laughs> I just think that shit is visually funny. Like two broke legs try to walk it off. That right. shit is silly to me. Like that's <laughs> but that's like a red man type of nigga. You know right. what I'm saying? Like right. there's certain people that are like, you know, switching up speeds like Bruce Lee riding the Fuji on a Suzuki, whatever the, you know what I mean? Like, I forget, what the, what's the line? I'm fucking the whole line up. I know niggas is like, damn, nigga, what the fuck? But you know, again, I'm grown now. I done totally forgot my re- my re- my um my lyric uh recapturing and all of that shit. That that part of the hard drive is glitchy. <laughs> but um, switching up speeds like Bruce Lee on a 
Nah, then the flip. Never mind. I find that shit at the end. Of, I can't wait. But you know, like visual, visual shit, like witty shit. You know what I'm saying? Like there's certain people that are great at that, and then there's certain people that are great at like resonating. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like Jeezy resonates on a certain level. He's not gonna hit you with no super lyrical or mm-hmm. maybe even super witty shit. Sometimes I don't think. Jay can get witty, but he's not as witty as Big was. You know what I'm no, saying? No, like, no. and then, and then the thing I think I think I like. For obviously, I fuck with Jay Z, but the what I like about Jay Z is, <clears throat> I think, cause I was thinking about this shit today because that's the thing you get the clubhouse hangover. You know what I'm saying? You wake up the next morning with your own takes on shits. Like, yo, maybe I should have <laughs> said this, but um. <laughs> One thing I think about Hove when, you know, when he rhymes, and we've talked about this shit, uh, Jay-Z is always rhymed from the perspective of, I'm going to prove there's a point of difference between me and all of y'all niggas. Right. You know what I mean? Rappers and fans. Right. I don't fuck with none of y'all niggas. I, you, I'm above all of this shit. I'm going to say, and the thing is, it's like, Super competitive, but then it's also like he'll have these little markers mm-hmm. of my lifestyle versus your lifestyle and shit that you probably would have never even fathomed until he said it. Like I was thinking about one line just today and he says, um, you ain't got no manicurist on board, then switch your plane. Niggas. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, who the fuck when you flying who if if I was to go down a checklist of 20 things that I'm thinking about when I get on a plane outside of dying getting like cooling my nerves hopefully there's no turbulence hopefully somebody you know what I mean is a cute shorty that's sitting next to me hopefully it's not a fucking baby kicking me in the back hopefully you know what I'm saying I don't, I'm not in the middle seat hopefully I could get a, a little drink of liquor hopefully I could recline hopefully you know all of this other shit mm-hmm. I could go to about 40 before I even think about a manicurist <laughs> but once a motherfucker say some shit like that, that's gonna inspire a motherfucker to say, you know what, man? I ain't flying till I get a motherfucking manicurist on board. Cause that shit, I'm I'm not even flying how niggas need to be flying. You know what I'm saying? Like that type of shit is that is his thing. That's his charms. Right. Them shit's but, even got leathers. You know what I'm saying? Like all of that wild slick shit. But, but look, uh, the thing about Jay-Z though, you know what I'm saying? And a lot yeah. of other rappers that connect. Jay-Z is speaking from the African-American experience. You know what I'm saying? He's relating it to things that, even if you're not from Brooklyn, you know what I'm saying? You understand the positioning. You know what I mean? Because the positioning is the positioning no matter what city you're from. Everybody you everybody got their big timers. Everybody got their cats from the corner. Everybody got their grimy niggas. Everybody got, you know what I mean? Everybody got what they got. And they, and the thing about hip hop was that when everybody put their things on the table, it was just a great learning experience to learn what Houston niggas like, and to learn what Compton niggas like. You didn't even know Compton existed. What is Compton? But when you when you listen to these cats, you're you're learning from their places, their experiences, and it's like, oh wow, 
in some way that connects with my experience, even though it's not my experience. You know, when you when I listen to like Eminem and shit like that, it's like it don't connect to my experience at all. When you talk about killing your mama and you know what I mean, just a right. bunch of wild shit. It's like, man, I don't even know what this mother where this motherfucker coming from for real, for real. You know? Right. And I don't want him to be to try to be African American or give an African American experience because that's even worse. But you know, it it wasn't for me. You know what I mean? And he sold millions of records, so he found the people that it that it connected with, and that's that's the thing. You know, all the connections don't necessarily have to be one. You know, everybody got their own narrative story that's gonna connect with certain people. Certain people don't want to hear the shit I got to say. You know what I mean? And I can't be mad mm-hmm. if they say I'm not in their top 10 they don't need my shit because, hey, you probably don't. Right. Switching up speeds like Bruce Lee riding a Fuji in a movie. <laughs> That's the line. Uh, nah, nigga, I feel you. I feel you. And it, it all comes down to who resonates with who, right? You know, and and who can bring their experience to life or other shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, obviously, Jay-Z has a specific point of view. Obviously, a lot of that thrust is him being from Brooklyn. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? But then you could look at somebody like, you know, Buckshot, you know, or somebody like Most Def. Mm -hmm. They're both from Brooklyn, and they got a different thrust about it. And there's, there's different things that you like about, each of these people, if they resonate with you, there's certain right. things that you like, like Buckshot's delivery. I remember when Buckshot popped off, Mad Niggas was kind of biting his delivery, that little, that real slow, um, cause I'm going back, come follow me. Like all of that old fly <laughs> shit, like that real slow, you know, heavy handed delivery shit, real smooth, you know, or, you know, like just other shit or the wit of, of Biggie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's it's various shit the way that Jay-Z could say slick shit. Like super, you know, um, what do you say? Boosters in abundance, buy a half, buy a half price sweater new. You know what I'm saying? Like just <laughs> little turns of phrases. It's like this nigga's a beast. And just to tag that real quick, uh, with that said, like just, you know, singular approaches to rap. I think, you know, just just for a second, I, I would like to, you know, um, shout out MF Doom, who, you know, who passed away on Halloween. But it rest was it was reported. Yeah, rest in peace to MF Doom. It was reported on, on New Year's Eve, which is very Doom because it had everybody very, like, confused as to, like, what's going on, blah, blah, blah. But, like, beyond the fact of him being such a, a character, you know what I mean, wearing the mask and doing different shows in different cities so one cat might not even be Doom type shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, the way that he would rhyme, the way that he kind of found his own pocket, the way that his flow was super singular, could be offbeat, but it's like, like, it was like he was a reporter, like, the way he kind of, like, it felt like it wasn't always first person or somebody kind of, like it was kind of somebody narrating about somebody, like just his terms of phrases, the slick shit that he would say, the way he put things together. He was a beast too, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it was just like for a whole different reason. 
And, you know, it goes back to the whole thing about what makes hip-hop so great, especially this many years into the the culture of it all. Like, there's thousands of rappers at this point. There's so many people that you could pick from. It's super ridiculously hard to be like, this is my top five. Or this, you could have your top five, your personal top five, but, like, this is the definitive top five rappers or right, whatever, right, top right. ten. That shit is that's just subjective as fuck and it's ridiculous, right. but it just shows, like, how many different ways you can affect people. You know what I'm saying? Like you could, you could, you could resonate in a totally, you know, Scarface can resonate with you in the same way that fucking Lauren could resonate with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, or whomever, like, you know, fucking, you know, it's just, it just, it's Cameron, you fuck with Cameron, you know what I'm saying? Or whomever, like, it's just, and it's a billion different, you know, it's just, it's re, it's just, it's endless. It's, endless there's so many approaches to this shit that you could discuss hip-hop forever you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying which is beautiful and it's exhausting that's why these fucking rooms be lasting hours and hours because niggas get you know niggas feel like their opinion is the opinion but um right anyway yeah rest in peace mf doom also rest in peace eric jerome dickie he died right, too yeah. you know, yeah, i just heard that today yeah <clears throat> I never checked out any of his work, but I know it was prolific. He was out here, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, he was out here. I seen. I I read maybe the first three books like back in the what, day. What was what was one of the ones? Uh, I read. I remember Milk and My Coffee. I think mm-hmm. there was one Friends and Lovers, <laughs> Cheaters. You know, like these these were the kind of books that you would see. It was a time. <laughs> there's a time, man. Like, there was a time when um, I was using books as an entry to like to spark up conversation with women. You right. know what I mean? Like, this was the type of shit. Like, you know, it was a time when back in the day, and it's still kind of similar, but not as much when in tablet era. But it used to be a time when you could be on the train and you could see what everybody was reading. You know, people had a newspaper open, had their novels open, whatever, whatever, and you see the cover because they mm-hmm. got it cracked. Right. And you could kind of, you could kind of see what was trending. You know what I mean? Before, you know, like before you had real analytics, just right. by how often you say, "Damn, I see a lot of cute shorties reading books by this cat." You know right. what I'm saying? Or whatever. But you know, so like there was a lot of kind of. That's kind of how I got into like. Authors like Omar Tyree or Eric Jerome <laughs> Dickey, right, right, you know right, what right. I mean? Because it was like, and those was also the books that like you go down, you know, you go to Fulton Mall, or you go down 125th Street, you go to any of these places with like, you know, the cats selling oils and they got a book, you know, a table full of books and shit like that. Mm-hmm. These were the books that was clicking. Terry McMillan and later on like Terry Williams and shit like that. 48 Laws of Power. Certain books was just killing in the hood. And Eric Jerome Dickey was one of them cats. And I don't even know, maybe it might have even, obviously, you know, he spoke to a certain demo, black people, you know what I'm saying? Black women particularly, but black people. Mm -hmm. But it might have even been, you know, one, I tell you, I'm trying to tell you that shit was a vicious leg up, just the fact that you was reading. Oh, you read? But anyway, that, and (laughs) I hate to say it, but the fact, I guess he used three, 
three names, Eric Jerome Dickey, that shit made it sound a little <laughs> elevated. You know what I'm saying? Made it sound like, oh, you was reading, reading, Eric Jerome Dickey. Yeah. So, yeah, man, rest in peace to that man. Yeah, uh, you know. That was an era, man. That was an era in the 90s yeah. where black people was reading you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Living single and Queen Latifah was on TV, Martin and shit. Right. That was right. a that was a a little black renaissance right there in a in a certain kind of way. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Where we were, we had hip hop going, we had TV going, the books niggas had their own books and shit. And Terry McMillan was out there. You had people thinking and all kind of different shit. So and it was just like recreational read, not like educational fair. You know what I mean? It was like mm-hmm. relationships and love and social shit, so it was a it was a good moment. I, I'm I'm pretty happy that I kind of came up in this era. You know what I'm saying? To see the beginnings of hip hop, the beginnings of mm-hmm. bass music. You know what I'm saying? The whole deaf comedy, Martin Lawrence, living single era. You know what I'm saying? To watch right. it all evolve. You know. Right. Yeah. So yeah, right. it was it was it was a good time. I, I mean, I didn't read all that shit. Far as I got was like Terry McMillan because I found them shits in my grandma's house, and, yeah. and was intrigued. Yeah. And it wasn't. I was intrigued by Terry McMillan's voice as far as black people in the in the getting grown sense. You know what I'm saying? Like they doing grown folk shit in this book. And I was able to connect where I was at, which was like fresh out of high school, to right. oh, this how grown folks do. Oh, this the this this type of shit you go through as a grown motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Let me get my shit together. Right, right. No, it's true. I often think because I'm feeling like <clears throat> again, you know, as I've gotten older, like you know, I'm not. I'm not 20, right? So a lot of that type of shit happened when I was in my teens, in my like early 20s. You've seen a lot of that, you know, you just call it that, that renaissance. And I feel like we're in the midst of one now, mm-hmm. right? We are. And I just, I'm just trying to stay as abreast of some of these new voices. You know what I mean? Like that's, like that's definitely, um, Something I'm trying to be intentional about, you know, just so you don't just so you don't miss it, you know, like because it's obviously the partition like the participation uh, level or proximity is going to be different. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Just based on the fact that I might be aged out of some of the the activities going on, but I still want to know what's cool, what's hip, what's popping. You know what I'm saying? Because. Right. There's a there's an energy that that comes from you know like cultural cultivation and harvest and you know what I'm saying like when the shit is like this renaissance when it's like mm-hmm. new blood and new voices and new stories being told and 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 new angles and you know what I'm saying and mm-hmm. and uh you know people just uh pushing the limits of what was you know what I'm saying? What was once? Because like if you think about the '90s and you look at maybe some of the some of the um, culture from the '70s and '60s or whatever, the shit that was coming out in the '90s felt very irreverent 
You know what I'm saying? Damn near disrespectful to the people, you know what I mean, that celebrated mm-hmm. the shit from back then. So, you know, I don't want to be on that that the side of, you know, I'm looking down or some shit or I'm feeling disrespected or alienated. I just kind of want to see like, okay, I see it, you know what I mean? If I can if I can help or, you know what I'm saying, shit produce, help any of that shit and get involved in any of that type of shit, that would be dope too cuz mm-hmm. it's going on. You know what I mean? And and it's uh and you know just to have years in life to where like you've got enough time to where you like like I said like we talked about at the beginning, you know, you could look back on years past and learn something from it or just remember what certain things felt like. So when you start to see it again, hopefully you recognize it for what it is and maybe you can enjoy it in a different capacity. Right. You know. So, man, yeah. Right. Oh shit. shit! So life goes on, man, and this generation yeah. will be disrespected by the next one. You know what I'm saying? Right. So. They already see it. No, you definitely <laughs> see the shit. Yeah, yeah. Nah, so it's crazy. As as disrespectful as Young Thug is, it would be a young nigga that come out that disrespect the shit out of him. You know, mm-hmm. and that's just how the story goes, man. That's 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 how yeah. it goes. Life, life. Tumbles, you know what I'm saying? And it's been going on since the beginning of the time, man. We just here for a short stay. So try right. to enjoy this yeah. motherfucker while you're here. Try to enjoy it, man. Speaking of enjoyment, man, let's get into this power before we jet out of here, dog. Uh, how'd you feel about it? What you think? Well, shout out to Rob Hardy, my homeboy, uh, in the conversation, yeah. uh, a veteran, alumni. alumni, directed this piece. Uh, I thought it was, you know, it lived up to the power, you know, entertainment. <laughs> the power universe. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It lived up to what was going on. I only had one gripe about the whole shit, and I, I hate to always leave with my gripes, but you know what I'm saying? Might as well get Start it on. with it. Get it on out That's the good. way and shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, my only gripe with the shit was that I know they had to do the surprise with Tommy, but Tommy would have never did a drive-by. You know what I'm saying? Like a shoot mm. from outside the building type of shit. Tommy the type of nigga to just show up in the shit. Like, nigga, I've been laying and waiting all night on you motherfuckers. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. He would have rolled yeah. up on Tasha and not shot up the outside. But that's my only, that's the only thing. But I know they had mm. to figure a way how to make it a compelling surprise. And I, I haven't talked to Rob yet about it. But, uh-huh. you know, that was my right. only, that's my only gripe. But I understand the situation that they were in. Trying to make it compelling yeah. to bring Tommy back into the fray, right. but I, I I loved it. I loved how uh, you know Tyreek is he's coming to his his own as a as a motherfucking gangster, whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I I really liked the part where he you know what I'm saying his mama talking all this this and that about Tommy. He was like, shit, but I'm a killer too, <laughs> ma. I'm a killer. I love that. Shit. I, but I'm a killer. You know what right, I'm saying? Right. Mama had to be like, yeah. fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Right. You got that? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Damn, I forgot. True indeed. <laughs> True yeah. indeed. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. you, you know what I'm saying? So, but you know how it is when you come up with a motherfucker and you know they hard and you know your child ain't hard. He is a killer, but he ain't hard. Mm-hmm. He not, you know what I'm right. saying? He not finna be rumbling out there and that shit. He gonna, he, he gonna be, he a sneaky motherfucker that's slick, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And, and see what they try to present is that Ghost was rough and tumble, but he was slick at the same time. 
You know what I'm saying? He he yeah. he ended up being a slick motherfucker. That's why he called Ghost. But he wasn't scared to get it in. Tommy yeah. definitely wasn't yeah. scared to get it in. Tyreek, you know, he do his shit, but he wasn't. He didn't come up getting it in. Nah, mm-mm, not at all. He came up paying attention though. Right. He, he studied. He studied under the best. Right. He watched. He watched the game, <laughs> and yeah, he didn't have to. He didn't have. He wasn't hard scrabble. I will say this one thing about Tariq because I definitely, I definitely. I mean, we said this before, but his, his whole his shit is a one eighty. You know, like the way the way I felt about Tariq book one versus now is absolutely totally different. One thing that is. Too funny to me. Tariq's composure at gunpoint is legendary. Right, right, The gun might as well be a microphone because he's going to speak his piece. He's going to get it in. He he is not threatened. You could pull that gun out and shit like that. He's going to say, see, but I understand where you're coming from, but what I'm trying to do. You're like, this nigga, do you not see this pistol in your face? Right. But uh, I, I, I respect yeah. that though, because you know, of what course, I'm saying? because it's like most people think that people act a certain way under duress and under certain scenarios, and people don't always act how you think they would act. You know what I'm saying? People like the hardest niggas don't always act like you think the hardest niggas should act. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then somebody who you sleeping on don't always act like how you think they should act because they not. Gangster and they not hard and all that shit, but a motherfucker that might not be that hard might be more icy in in their their emotional intelligence. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Nah, he definitely got a lot of that shit. He's definitely, you know, the, the child of James St. Patrick. Mm-hmm. I think. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the, you know, I enjoyed it. It was good overall. Um, I'll say this. I think that, you know, power was power. So there's the moments where it gets a little ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's a good-ass point regarding Tommy. Your Tommy is definitely, he's not really wasting bullets. Tommy yeah. is, if one thing, if he's trying to kill you, Nine times out of ten, he's going to kill you. He knows how to. He knows how to to lurk. Knows how to catch you when you least expect it. He, you know. So there's that. Um, they, it did get a little ridiculous at times, as Powers known to get. Mm-hmm. Felt like he had to handle a whole lot of shit before it was all said and done. Like the whole courtroom fiasco mm-hmm. towards the end yeah. where Tariq <laughs> just took the reins. It was right. like, nigga, I got questions for you. And then right. Otto <laughs> comes in the thing, told, tells the judge to get out her own chambers. Like, <laughs> that was ridiculous. Then we got Tasha. Tasha, look, we can let you off. All we need you to do is snitch. What you gonna do? You need to let us know right now. All of this shit happened in... in the span of 35 minutes. Yeah, but you, you know, know what I'm saying? That's power, and she's, that's power, definitely. That's power. You know what I'm saying? That's power. Then, then it's the sex is having the sex scene with, with homegirl that I don't even think we really even seen her and that much at all throughout the season. Like, who was that? That was just out of the blue. Right. But I guess give him his payoff because I think Courtney really likes sex as a character because she's been keeping sex around for a long time. And it's like, after a while, his storyline is just starting to get a little redundant. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's starting to just 
starting to be like cat and mouse a little bit with him. Um, what was the other shit that I saw that was that was interesting? So the sack shit, uh, you know, Jabari, young Duke box got murked. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. mean, I mean was, which, Jabari was this coming. season. He was this season's Tariq. You know what I'm saying? The most hated. Yeah, yeah, he was there definitely. I saw a meme. I sent it to you. He said uh, somebody said <laughs> Jabari got shot twice on the same night by two niggas that don't even like each other. <laughs> that shit was that shit was hilarious. But yeah, he was doing too much. He was being too nosy. So and and again, like I said before, he had no real redeemable quality. So it was easy for him to go. Right. I, I I predict I thought High Top was gonna get rocked out of there. It's gonna happen. I did like the opening. I like when Mary came through and uh, bodied Rico. I thought that little exchange, uh, Jamie Long as Rico. I thought he was funny. Mm-hmm. I thought that was just like a funny opener. Um, I knew she had the gun on him because she got in homie's head when she was like, "Nigga, do your job." She mm-hmm. got in his head at that point, and he didn't thoroughly frisk her. I knew what mm-hmm. was gonna happen. Seen that coming, you know what I mean? D pull up with the worried face, you know, that's whatever that's going to be. Kane coming to the hospital. I thought Kane, for real, for real, I thought Kane was going to pull the plug on Drew for a hot second. Just on some hot head <laughs> Kane shit. <laughs> it was the second where he stepped back. I thought he was just going to be like, you know what, man? Fuck this shit and just untether his cords. Let my man die out. But that didn't happen. Um... Curious to see now what happens with the whole Kane Tariq Monet situation. Is that now they all good? If this Ramirez shit is going to come back to them, I don't think the Jabari shit really going to come back to nobody. Right. Um, Jabari set up pretty good. You know what I'm saying? Um, So he's out of there. I think, well, I I look forward to seeing what they're going to do with Mary. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, because now she's off the she's off the reservation now. You know what I'm saying? She ain't following none of the her husband orders and shit. Yeah, she didn't pull Kane back in. She went in the total opposite direction. Tariq is actually pulling Kane back in <laughs> on the real, real. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. but now he's sitting in shotgun seat. You know what I mean? So we'll Tariq, see. Tariq, yeah, yeah. Tariq yeah. and Monet he's, he's is, is down like yeah. down like two flat tires, like shit. Right. She out there in the field with them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, right. No, they they doing, you know, shit. They doing fucking setups and everything. Right. I thought it was cool to see Tommy. It's yeah. like now, yeah. Powers got its own, like, little Marvel universe. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, Tommy popped in. It was a familiar face. He was, it, there was some parts of Tommy that wasn't true to Tommy. Like you said, the drive-by. But even just his restraint. You know what I'm saying? Like, ah, it was like when he, when, when Tariq's sitting on his car, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And Tommy ain't really tripping too crazy. Right. I mean, it was a funny part. Nigga, get off my car. That right. was funny. But, first of all, it took him too yeah. long to even notice that a nigga was sitting on his car. Like, that's the first right. shit you look right. at when you walk out the door. <laughs> Especially if you're a killer. Right. You know what I'm saying? But nigga, yeah. who the fuck is this on my car? Right, right. But, uh, yeah, man, it's it's gonna be interesting. I'm curious to see who remains in season two, who gets phased out. Like, is Tasha, you know, I don't think she's gonna get all the way phased out, but I think she's gonna be like, mm-hmm. 
pop up here and there. You know what I mean? Right. Like she, you know, they're gonna kind of shift her a little out the I way. I know who getting you know, phased this, the fuck out. Who getting phased out? That little baby oh. that's always getting phased out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I left the just, baby at mama's house. Like, come on. Now. God damn. She got more burned than I, I think I've ever seen, though. I mean, I don't think she said much, but we just see her getting taller. She That's her narrative. She might have had one line in all of the seasons. Yeah. That's just her narrative is her getting taller and getting more and more unfamiliar. You got to always readjust. You're like, well, who is? Oh, right. This is the the other one. Right? Because when I think what Tasha said, yeah, I got two kids out there. You're like, well, I thought you lost the kid. Oh, right. Yeah, you do. Have, yeah, please, right. True. <laughs> That what baby. I do, speaking of kids. <laughs> go ahead. Well, go ahead. I was just going to be, I'm riffing off some bullshit, dog. That baby ain't, <laughs> ain't relevant to this story at one nah, bit. Nah, man. It's like, that, that whoever's playing that role, it's like, you know, when you work, you know, you work part-time somewhere <laughs> and you don't really get a lot of hours mm-hmm. and you look at the schedule. You like, oh, I got shit. I got I got a Thursday. That's it. That's all I got is a Thursday. Like, that's how her shit is. She pop in for one, she get one episode, got two scenes and shit. But um what I thought was interesting, what I saw the in the credits, I thought was funny. Keisha's son's name is Cash Grant. <laughs> I just thought that shit was funny as shit. Cash Grant. That shit is silly, man. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, I enjoyed it, man. I always do. I can't wait for uh, book three, Canaan. I guess that's coming out in the in the summertime. We yeah. got fucking snowfall coming up in the, in a yeah. few. I'm excited yeah. about yeah, I'm that. Excited about that. First season without Singleton, without Singleton. So I'm really interested to see how that's going to be. I think it should be good. But right. um, I, I think he yeah. was around enough through, through the development. Um, a yeah. lot of the team he had around him was real strong. He had you no know, actual cats from around the way, you know, yeah. that could chime in. And, you know, we'll see what they give us, man. You know what I'm saying? It, it, I like the text. The texture of uh, Snowfall is a lot realer than, you know, Power. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just like Power was a lot realer than Empire. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, but it's a good, it's it's good diversity in TV, you know. And um, I can't wait to see both. I think Kanan's story should have a lot more texture than than the regular power because it's a period piece and how they doing yeah. it. Um, yeah. No, shout out It'll to Rob. Shout out to Rob again because he's executive producing on that one. So, you know, okay. I think, uh, you know, hopefully we, we get some good entertainment out of this. Yeah, no, I think that's going to be, I think. That's good. There's gonna probably be a whole lot of attention to detail on that one. Right. It's gonna be that's gonna be some good shit. I can't I can't wait for that. No, it's, right. it's it's pretty good. Speaking of back to our whole point about this Renaissance, there's at least ten different black shows out in the world right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like just in the universe, some might be off on hiatus, not in season right now. But you know, as it goes, as the calendar goes through, there's some black entertainment. Always, mm-hmm. so that's that's a, that's a good situation, man. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to say, man? No, nah, I was just gonna mention that um, you know, in the Canaan video, music video that Fifty dropped, they're using the uh, cars from the car club in New uh, New Jersey. 
BBS Boys. Oh, dope. DJ okay. Thorough and his crew, BBS Boys. And uh, the actual club that that I'm joining here in Atlanta is kind of like an offshoot of the BBS Boys is here, the Uptown Car Club, started by Biddy, DJ Mars, and Coach K. Um, All right. So it's like a little, you know what I'm saying, it's like a little family thing. But uh, speaking of that, you know, most of the guys in that in the club so far, they they rocking BMWs and um, Acuras and shit. And so I was like, right. yo, I'm going to come with the 560 and, you know what I'm saying, do what it do. And then I saw that. You got to have BBS rims to be in the John or not? Nah, nah, I don't think. I don't know. I, you know, I'm because I'm, I'm still debating whether or not I'm going to throw BBSs on my shit or something else or leave it plain right. Jane. You know, the first right. meetup is January 18th here in Atlanta. I'm going plain uh-huh. Jane. But, right. you know, I'm, I'm scrolling through the shit the other day. Then somebody sent me a picture, Coach K, you know, one of the founders mm-hmm. of the Uptown Comedy. Uptown uh, mm-hmm. Car Club, he done went and got a five sixty. Ah, oh, look at this! I'm like, ah, you know what I'm saying? Uh, it's different when a rich infringement. nigga get the same yeah. shit. You know what I'm saying? Come on, come on, man! Yeah. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Because he had wow. already submitted his BMW uh, with the BBS yeah. and the drop top right. and all that. You know what right, I'm saying? Right. Now he, you know, with the 560, it's going to be like, oh, yeah. man. Now, you know, it's a lot more pressure on yeah. the nigga. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, man. Hilarious. <laughs> Damn. But I'm going I'm to stay true. You know what I'm saying? Keep my shit. My shit. You know what I'm saying? Because somebody like, I showed it to somebody like, oh, his shit clean. I'm like, Tariq, shit, my shit clean too. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Motherfucker, pay attention. Nigga, I got a feather duster. <laughs> my shit yeah, clean nigga. too, nigga. <laughs> The real ones know. Real yeah, ones know. Yeah, though. yeah, it's, it's all documented. good. But you know, man, I'm excited to see what happens when everybody come together. And you know, man, I ain't never been part of no shit like this. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm excited to see what's gonna happen. Nah, that's cool, man. That sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sons of anarchy, ass. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit! Man. Oh <laughs> shit! Sedans. Oh shit, man. Well, that sounds dope, man. I can't wait to see some of the content from that shit. That mm-hmm. sounds like that's black excellence and shit. Um, yeah, man. I ain't got nothing else, man. I yeah, just, me you know, neither. About to get up out of here, baby. Bird up. We didn't put a whole lot of time on the clock for this one. I hope y'all enjoyed it. And uh, shit, we will see you next week. And until then, tell a friend to tell a friend. And even an enemy. To get in the conversation. We out. The main thing of it all is to be in the conversation.